Welcome to this week in surgery your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This week in surgery has you covered. Our podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the surgical field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. With this week in surgery, listening is faster than reading, and you can consume valuable medical knowledge while commuting, exercising, or during your daily routine, including in the operating room. This week in surgery we will be discussing articles published in November 2023 issues. First, Annals of Surgery. Delayed Surgical Intervention After Chemoradiotherapy in Esophageal Cancer, DICE, Study. Objective. To determine the impact of delayed surgical intervention following chemoradiotherapy, CRT, on survival from esophageal cancer. Background. CRT is a core component of multimodality treatment for locally advanced esophageal cancer. The timing of surgery following CRT may influence the probability of performing an oncological resection and the associated operative morbidity. Methods. This was an international, multi-center, cohort study, including patients from 17 centers who received CRT followed by surgery between 2010 and 2020. In the main analysis, patients were divided into four groups based upon the interval between CRT and surgery, 0 to 50, 51 to 100, 101 to 200, and greater than 200 days, to assess the impact upon 90-day mortality and five-year overall survival. Multivariable logistic and Cox regression provided hazard ratios, HRs, with 95% C's adjusted for relevant patient, oncological, and pathologic confounding factors. Results A total of 2,867 patients who underwent esophagectomy after CRT were included. After adjustment for relevant confounders, prolonged interval following CRT was associated with an increased 90-day mortality compared with 0 to 50 days, reference, 51 to 100 days, HR equals 1.54, 95% C, 1.04 to 2.29, 101 to 200 days, HR equals 2.14, 95% C, 1.37 to 3.35, and greater than 200 days, HR equals 3.06, 95% C, 1.64 to 5.69. Similarly, a poorer five-year overall survival was also observed with prolonged interval following CRT compared with 0 to 50 days, reference, 101 to 200 days, HR equals 1.41, 95% C, 1.17 to 1.70, and greater than 200 days, HR equals 1.64, 95% C, 1.24 to 2.17. Conclusions Prolonged interval following CRT before esophagectomy is associated with increased 90-day mortality and poorer long-term survival. Further investigation is needed to understand the mechanism that underpins these adverse outcomes observed with a prolonged interval to surgery. Outcomes associated with esophageal perforation management, results from a French nationwide population-based cohort study. Objective to evaluate outcomes associated with esophageal perforation EP, management at a national level and determine predictive factors of 90-day mortality, 90-DM, failure to rescue, FTR and major morbidity, MM, Clavindindo 3-4. Background. EP remains a challenging clinical emergency. Previous population-based studies showed rates of 90-DM up to 38.8% but were outdated or small-sized. Methods. Data from patients admitted to hospitals with EP were extracted from the French Medico-Administrative Database, 2012-2021. Etiology, management strategies, and short- and long-term outcomes were analyzed. A cutoff value of the annual EP management caseload affecting FTR was determined using the chi-squared automatic interaction detector method. Random effects logistic regression model was performed to assess independent predictors of 90DM, FTR, and MM. Results. Among 4,765 patients with EP, 90DM and FTR rates were 28.0% and 19.4%, respectively. 
both remained stable during the study period. EP was spontaneous in 68.2%, due to esophageal cancer in 19.7%, iatrogenic postendoscopy in 7.3%, and due to foreign body ingestion in 4.7%. Primary management consisted of surgery, N equals 1,447, 30.4%, endoscopy, N equals 590, 12.4%, isolated drainage, N equals 336, 7.0%, and conservative management, N equals 2,392, 50.2%. After multivariate analysis, besides age and comorbidity, esophageal cancer was predictive of both 90DM and FTR. An annual threshold of greater than or equal to 8 EP managed annually was associated with a reduced 90DM and FTR rate. In France, only some university hospitals fulfilled this condition. Furthermore, primary surgery was associated with a lower 90DDM and FTR rate despite an increase in MM. Conclusions We provide evidence for the referral of EP to high-volume centers with multidisciplinary expertise. Surgery remains an effective treatment for EP. Surgery for primary aldosteronism in France from 2010 to 2020, results from the French-speaking Association of Endocrine Surgery, AFC, Eurocrine Study Group. Objective Describe the diagnostic workup and postoperative results for patients treated by adrenalectomy for primary aldosteronism in France from 2010 to 2020. Background Primary aldosteronism, PA, is the underlying cause of hypertension in 6% to 18% of patients. French and international guidelines recommend CT scan and adrenal vein sampling as part of diagnostic workup to distinguish unilateral PA amenable to surgical treatment from bilateral PA that will require lifelong anti-aldosterone treatment. Adrenalectomy for unilateral primary aldosteronism has been associated with complete resolution of hypertension, no antihypertensive drugs, and normal ambulatory blood pressure in about one-third of patients and complete biological success in 94% of patients. These results are mainly based on retrospective studies with short follow-up and aggregated patients from various international high-volume centers. Methods Here we report results from the French-speaking Association of Endocrine Surgery, AFCE, using the Eurocrine database. Results Over 11 years, 385 patients from 10 medical centers were eligible for analysis, accounting for greater than 40% of adrenalectomies performed in France for primary aldosteronism over the period. Preoperative workup was consistent with guidelines for 40% of patients. Complete clinical success, CCS, at the last follow-up was achieved in 32% of patients, and complete biological success was not sufficiently assessed. For patients with two follow-up visits, Clinical results were not persistent at one year for one-fifth of patients. Factors associated with CCS on multivariate analysis were body mass index, duration of hypertension, and number of antihypertensive drugs. Conclusions These results call for an improvement in thorough preoperative workup and long-term follow-up of patients, clinical and biological, to early manage hypertension and or PA relapse. Risk-benefit balance of simultaneous gastric bypass or sleeve gastrectomy and concomitant cholecystectomy, a comprehensive nationwide cohort of 289,627 patients. Objective To assess the relevance of concomitant laparoscopic metabolic bariatric surgery, MBS, and cholecystectomy. Background Because of the massive weight loss it induces, MBS is associated with an increase in the frequency of gallstones. However, no consensus yet exists on the risk-to-benefit ratio of a concomitant cholecystectomy, CC, during MBS to prevent long-term biliary complications. Methods This nationwide retrospective cohort research was conducted in two parts using information from a national administrative database, PMSI. The 90-day morbidity of MBS with or without CC was first compared in a match trial, propensity score. 
Second, we observed medium-term biliary complication following MBS when no CC had been performed during MBS up to 9 years after MBS, minimum 18 months. Results Between 2013 and 2020, 289,627 patients had a sleeve gastrectomy, SG, 70%, or a gastric bypass, GBP, 30%. The principal indications of CC were symptomatic cholelithiasis, 79.5%, or acute cholecystitis, 3.6%. Prophylactic CC occurred only in 15.5% of the cases. In our match group analysis, we included 9,323 patients in each arm. The complication rate at day 90 after surgery was greater in the CC arm, odds ratio equals 1.3, 1.2 to 1.5, p less than 0.001, independently of the reason of the CC. At 18 months, there was a 0.1% risk of symptomatic gallstone migration and a 0.08% risk of biliary pancreatitis. At 9 years, 20.5 plus or minus 0. 52% of patients underwent an interval cholecystectomy. The likelihood of interval cholecystectomy decreased from 5.4% per year to 1.7% per year after the first 18 months the whole cohort, risk at 18 months of symptomatic gallstone migration was 0.1%, of pancreatitis 0.08%, and of angiocolitis 0.1%. Conclusion CC during SG and GBP should be avoided. In the case of asymptomatic gallstones after MBS, prophylactic cholecystectomy should not be recommended. <music> Validation of the PROMISE 29 questionnaire as a measure of recovery after pancreatic surgery. Objective to contribute evidence for the reliability, construct validity, and responsiveness of the patient-reported outcomes measurement information system 29, PROMISE 29, Profile Questionnaire as a Measure of Recovery After Pancreatic Surgery. Background PROMISE questionnaires have been recommended to evaluate post-discharge recovery after surgery. Evidence supporting their measurement properties in pancreatic surgery is missing. Methods an observational validation study designed according to the Cosman checklist was conducted including data from a prospective clinical trial. Patients undergoing pancreatectomy completed PROMISE 29 preoperatively on postoperative days, PODs, 15, 30, 90, and 180. Reliability was assessed by internal consistency using Kronbach Alpha. Construct validity was assessed by known groups comparison. Responsiveness was evaluated hypothesizing that scores would be higher, 1, preoperatively versus pod 15, 2, on pod 30 versus pod 15, 3, on pod 90 versus pod 30, and, 4, on pod 180 versus pod 90. Results Overall, 510 patients were included in the study. Reliability was good to excellent, alpha values ranged from 0.82 to 0.97. Data supported four of five hypotheses tested for construct validity for five domains, physical function, anxiety, depression, fatigue, and ability to participate in social roles, at most time points. Responsiveness hypotheses 1, 2, and 3 were supported by the data for physical function, fatigue, sleep disturbance, pain interference, and ability to participate in social roles domains. Conclusions Promise had excellent reliability, discriminated between most groups expected to have different recovery trajectories and was responsive to the expected trajectory of recovery up to 90 days after surgery. Our findings support the use of PROMISE 29 profile as a patient-reported outcome measure of post-discharge recovery after pancreatectomy. Meta-analysis of randomized clinical trials on long-term outcomes of surgical treatment of perforated diverticulitis. Objective. To assess long-term outcomes of patients with perforated diverticulitis treated with resection or laparoscopic lavage, LL. Background. Surgical treatment of perforated diverticulitis has changed in the last few decades. LL and increasing evidence that primary anastomosis, PRA, is feasible and certain patients have broadened surgical options. However, debate about the optimal surgical strategy lingers. Methods 
PubMed, Scopus, and Web of Science were searched for randomized clinical trials, RCT, on surgical treatment of perforated diverticulitis from inception to October 2022. Long-term reports of RCT comparing surgical interventions for the treatment of perforated diverticulitis were selected. The main outcome measures were long-term ostomy, long-term complications, recurrence, and re-intervention rates. Results After screening 2,431 studies, five long-term follow-up studies of RCT comprising 499 patients were included. Three studies, excluding patients with fecal peritonitis, compared LL and colonic resection, and two compared PRA and Hartman procedures. LL had lower odds of long-term ostomy, odds ratio or, equals 0.133, 95% C, 0.278 to 0.579, P less than 0.001, and reoperation or equals 0.585, 95% C, 0.365 to 0.937, P equals 0.02 compared with colonic resection but higher odds of diverticular disease recurrence, or equals 5.8, 95% C, 2.33 to 14.42, P less than 0.001. Colonic resection with PRA had lower odds of long-term ostomy, or equals 0.02, 95% C, 0.003 to 0.195, P less than 0.001, long-term complications, or equals 0.195, 95% C, 0.113 to 0.335, P less than 0.001, reoperation or equals 0.2, 95% C, 0.108 to 0.384, P less than 0.001, and incisional hernia or equals 0.184, 95% C, 0.102 to 0.333, P less than 0.001. There was no significant difference in odds of mortality among the procedures. Conclusions Long-term follow-up of patients who underwent emergency surgery for perforated diverticulitis showed that LL had lower odds of long-term ostomy and reoperation, but more risk for disease recurrence when compared with resection and purulent peritonitis. Colonic resection with PRA had better long-term outcomes than the Hartman procedure for fecal peritonitis. A prospective clinical trial to evaluate mesothelin as a biomarker for the clinical management of patients with esophageal adenocarcinoma. Objective To investigate the utility of serum-soluble mesothelin-related peptide, SMRP, and tumor mesothelin expression in the management of esophageal adenocarcinoma, ADC. Background Clinical management of esophageal ADC is limited by a lack of accurate evaluation of tumor burden, treatment response, and disease recurrence. Our retrospective data showed that tumor mesothelin and its serum correlate, SMRP, are overexpressed and associated with poor outcomes in patients with esophageal ADC. Methods Serum SMRP and tumoral mesothelin expression from 101 patients with locally advanced esophageal ADC were analyzed before induction chemoradiation, pretreatment, and at the time of resection, post-treatment, as a biomarker for treatment response, disease recurrence, and overall survival, OS. Results Pre- and post-treatment serum SMRP was greater than or equal to 1 nm in 49% and 53%, and pre- and post-treatment tumor mesothelin expression was greater than 25%, 35%, and 46% of patients, respectively. Pre-treatment serum SMRP was not significantly associated with tumor stage, P equals 0.9, treatment response, radiologic response, P equals 0.4, pathologic response, P equals 0.7, or recurrence, P equals 0.229. Pretreatment tumor mesothelin expression was associated with OS, hazard ratio, 2.08, 95% C, 1.14 to 3.79, P equals 0.017, but had no statistically significant association with recurrence, P equals 0.9. Three-year OS of patients with pretreatment tumor mesothelin expression of less than or equal to 25% was 78%, 95% C, 68% to 89%, compared with 49%, 95% C, 
35% to 70%, among those with greater than 25%. Conclusions Pretreatment tumor mesothelin expression is prognostic of OS for patients with locally advanced esophageal ADC, whereas serum SMRP is not a reliable biomarker for monitoring treatment response or recurrence. Predictive value of class O2 QC assessment score on class O2 surgical outcomes, validation of surgeon quality control and standardization for D2 lymphadenectomy. Objective. The aim of this study was to audit the 22 items and assess each item's predictive value on surgical outcomes. Background. The class O2 trial revealed that the oncologic outcomes of laparoscopic distal gastrectomy are not inferior to open distal gastrectomy in patients with advanced gastric cancer. The surgeons participating in this trial were chosen based on the assessment scores from the class O2 QC trial, which used 22 items for standardization of D2 lymphadenectomy and quality control. Methods We reviewed proficiency scores, PSs, for 22 items for 20 surgeons who participated in class O2. The surgeons were divided into two groups according to PS, and the perioperative outcomes of 924 patients enrolled in class O2 were compared between groups. Each item's predictive value for perioperative outcome was then assessed using multivariable regression models. Results Of the total 924 patients, 529 were operated on by high-score surgeons, high PS, and 395 were operated on by low-score surgeons, low PS. High PS group had less intraoperative blood loss, longer operation times and fewer complications, major complications, reoperations, and shorter first flatus and hospital stay than low PS group, P equals 0.006, P less than 0.001, P less than 0.001, P less than 0.001, P equals 0.042, P equals 0.013, and P less than 0.001, respectively. Some items used in class O2QC predicted perioperative outcomes, such as intraoperative blood loss, major complications, reoperation, and hospital stay. Conclusions Although this study only analyzed data associated with qualified surgeons, the 22 items effectively assessed the surgeons based on PS. A high score was associated with longer operation times, but better perioperative outcomes. Adverse tumor and host biology may explain the poorer outcomes seen in emergency presentations of colon cancer. Objective To examine the association between tumor-slash-host factors, including the systemic inflammatory response, mode of presentation, and short-slash-long-term outcomes in patients undergoing curative resectional surgery for TNM IDA3 colon cancer. Background Emergency presentations of colon cancer are associated with worse long-term outcomes than elective presentations despite adjustment for TNM stage. A number of differences in tumor and host factors have been identified between elective and emergency presentations and it may be these factors that are associated with adverse outcomes. Methods Patients undergoing curative surgery for TNM I-3 colon cancer in the west of Scotland from 2011 to 2014 were identified. Tumor-slash-host factors independently associated with the emergency presentation were identified and entered into a subsequent survival model to determine those that were independently associated with overall survival-slash-cancer-specific survival, OS-slash-CSS. Results A total of 2,705 patients were identified. The emergency presentation was associated with the worst three-year OS and CSS compared with elective presentations, 70% versus 86%, and 91% versus 75%. T-stage, age, systemic inflammatory grade, anemia, all P less than 0.001, N-stage, P equals 0.077, extramural venous invasion, P equals 0.003, body mass index, P equals 0.001, and American Society of Anesthesiologists Classification Classification, P equals 0.021, were independently associated with emergency presentation. Of these, body mass index, hazard ratio, 
HR, 0.82, American Society of Anesthesiologists Classification, HR, 1.45, Anemia, HR, 1.29, Systemic Inflammatory Grade, HR, 1.11, T Stage, HR, 1.57, End Stage, HR, 1.80, and Adjuvant Chemotherapy, HR, 0.47, were independently associated with OS. Similar results were observed for CSS. Conclusions Within patients undergoing curative surgery for colon cancer, the emergency presentation was not independently associated with worse OS-CSS. Rather, a combination of tumor and host factors account for the worse outcomes observed. Next article is from Journal of American Medical Association Surgery. Hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy after interval cytoreductive surgery for patients with advanced stage ovarian cancer who had received neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Importance Hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy, HIPEC, followed by interval cytoreductive surgery, ICS, has shown survival benefits for patients with advanced stage ovarian cancer. However, there is still a lack of consensus regarding the integration of HIPEC into clinical practice. Objective to evaluate the safety and effectiveness of ICS with HIPEC compared with ICS alone in clinical practice for patients with advanced stage ovarian cancer. Design, setting, and participants This perspective, multi-center, comparative effectiveness cohort study enrolled 205 patients with stage 3 or 4 ovarian cancer who had received at least 3 cycles of neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by ICS with HIPEC or ICS without HIPEC at 7 Korean gynecologic oncology group institutions between September 1, 2017, and April 22, 2022. Nine patients were excluded because they did not meet the inclusion criteria. Exposures neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by ICS with HIPEC or ICS without HIPEC. Main outcomes and measures The primary endpoint was progression-free survival, PFS. Overall survival, OS, and the safety profile were the key secondary endpoints. Results This study included 196 patients, median age, 58.0 years, range, 38 to 82 years, of whom 109 underwent ICS with HIPEC and 87 underwent ICS without HIPEC. The median duration of follow-up was 28.2 months, range, 3.5 to 58.6 months. Disease recurrence occurred in 128 patients, 65.3%, and 30 patients, 15.3%, died. Interval cytoreductive surgery with HIPEC was associated with a significant improvement in median PFS compared with ICS without HIPEC, 22.9 months, 95% C, 3.5 to 58.6 months, versus 14.2 months, 95% C, 4.0 to 56.2 months, P equals 0.005, and median OS, not reached, 95% C, 3.5 months to not reached, versus 53.0, 95% C, 4.6 to 56.2 months, P equals 0.002. The frequency of grade 3 or 4 postoperative complications was similar in both groups, ICS with HIPEC, 3 of 109, 2.8%, versus ICS without HIPEC, 3 of 87, 3.4%, P greater than 0.99. Among patients with recurrence, the frequency of peritoneal recurrence was lower in the ICS with HIPEC group than in the ICS without HIPEC group, 21 of 64, 32.8%, versus 41 of 64, 64.1%, P equals 0.001. Conclusions and relevance This study suggests that ICS in conjunction with HIPEC was associated with longer PFS and OS than ICS without HIPEC for patients with advanced stage ovarian cancer and was not associated with higher rates of postoperative complications. The lower rate of peritoneal recurrence after HIPEC may be associated with improved OS. Differences in cholecystectomy outcomes and operating time between male and female surgeons in Sweden. Importance female surgeons are still in the minority worldwide, and highlighting gender differences in surgery is important in understanding and reducing inequities within the surgical specialty. 
Studies on different surgical procedures indicate equal results, or safer outcomes, for female surgeons, but it is still unclear whether surgical outcomes of gallstone surgery differ between female and male surgeons. Objective to examine the association of the surgeon's gender with surgical outcomes and operating time in elective and acute care cholecystectomies. Design, setting, and participants of population-based cohort study based on data from the Swedish Registry of Gallstone Surgery was performed from January 1, 2006, to December 31, 2019. The sample included all registered patients undergoing cholecystectomy in Sweden during the study period. The follow-up time was 30 days. Data analysis was performed from September 1 to September 7, 2022, and updated March 24, 2023. Exposure the surgeon's gender. Main outcomes and measures the association between the surgeon's gender and surgical outcomes for elective and acute care cholecystectomies was calculated with generalized estimating equations. Differences in operating time were calculated with mixed linear model analysis. Results a total of 150,509 patients, with 97,755, 64.9%, undergoing elective cholecystectomies and 52754, 35.1%, undergoing acute care cholecystectomies, were operated on by 2,553 surgeons, including 849, 33.3%, female surgeons and 1704, 67.7%, male surgeons. Female surgeons performed fewer cholecystectomies per year and were somewhat better represented at universities and private clinics. Patients operated on by male surgeons had more surgical complications, odds ratio or 1.29, 95% C, 1.19 to 1.40, and total complications, or 1.12, 95% C, 1.06 to 1.19. Male surgeons had more bile duct injuries and elective surgery, or 1.69, 95% C, 1.22 to 2.34 but no significant difference was apparent in acute care operations. Female surgeons had significantly longer operation times. Male surgeons converted to open surgery more often than female surgeons in acute care surgery or 1.22, 95% C, 1.04 to 1.43, and their patients had longer hospital stays or 1.21, 95% C, 1.11 to 1.31. No significant difference in 30-day mortality could be demonstrated. Conclusions and relevance The results of this cohort study indicate that female surgeons have more favorable outcomes and operate more slowly than male surgeons in elective and acute care cholecystectomies. These findings may contribute to an increased understanding of gender differences within this surgical specialty. Next article is from British Journal of Surgery. Standardized trauma intake form with clinical decision support prompts improves care and reduces mortality for seriously injured patients in non-tertiary hospitals in Ghana, step which cluster randomized trial. Background The WHO Trauma Care Checklist improved key performance indicators, KPIs, of trauma care at tertiary hospitals. A standardized trauma intake form, TIF, with real-time clinical decision support prompts was developed by adapting the WHO trauma care checklist for use in smaller low- and middle-income country hospitals, where care is delivered by non-specialized providers and without trauma teams. This study aimed to determine the effectiveness of the TIF for improving KPIs in initial trauma care and reducing mortality at non-tertiary hospitals in Ghana. Methods a step-which cluster randomized trial was conducted by stationing research assistants at emergency units of eight non-tertiary hospitals for 17.5 months to observe management of injured patients before and after introduction of the TIF. Differences in performance of KPIs in trauma care, primary outcomes, and mortality, secondary outcome, were estimated using generalized linear mixed regression models. Results Management of 4,077 injured patients was observed, 2067 before TIF introduction, 2010 after. There was improvement in 14 of 16 primary survey and initial care KPIs after TIF introduction. Airway assessment increased from 72.9 to 98.4%, adjusted or 25.27, 95% CI 2.47 to 258.94, 
P equals 0.006, and breathing assessment from 62.1 to 96.8%, adjusted or 38.38, 4.84 to 304.69, P equals 0.001. Documentation of important clinical data improved from 52.4 to 76.7%, adjusted or 2.14, 1.17 to 3.89, P equals 0.013. The mortality rate decreased from 17.7 to 12.1% among 302 patients, 186 before, 116 after, with impaired physiology on arrival, hypotension or decreased level of consciousness, adjusted or 0.10, 0.02 0.56, p equals 0.009. Conclusion The TIF improved overall initial trauma care and reduced mortality for more seriously injured patients. Liver transplantation for elderly patients with early-stage hepatocellular carcinoma. Background Although liver resection is a viable option for patients with early-stage hepatocellular carcinoma, HCC, liver transplantation is the optimal treatment. The aim of this study was to identify characteristics of liver transplantation for elderly patients and to assess the therapeutic benefit derived from liver transplantation over liver resection. Methods This was a population-based study of patients undergoing liver transplantation for HCC in the USA between 2004 and 2018. Data were retrieved from the National Cancer Database. Elderly patients were defined as individuals aged 70 years and over. Propensity score overlap weighting was used to control for heterogeneity between the liver resection and liver transplantation cohorts. Results Among 4,909 liver transplant recipients, 215 patients, 4.1%, were classified as elderly. Among 5,922 patients who underwent liver resection, 1907, 32.2% were elderly. Elderly patients who underwent liver transplantation did not have a higher hazard of dying during the first five years after transplantation than non-elderly recipients. After propensity score weighting, liver transplantation was associated with a lower risk of death than liver resection. Other factors associated with overall survival included diagnosis during 2016-2018, non-white-slash-non-African-American race, and alpha-fetoprotein level over 20 nanograms DL. Conclusion Elderly patients with HCC should not be excluded from liver transplantation based on age only. Transplantation leads to favorable survival compared with liver resection. Next article is from Journal of Vascular Surgery. The value of wound, ischemia and foot infection classification in patients undergoing endovascular therapy. Objective. This study aimed to evaluate the correlation between the Society for Vascular Surgery, SVS, wound, ischemia and foot infection, Wi-Fi, classification system and clinical outcomes for one-year limb amputation-free survival, AFS, freedom from re-intervention, and wound healing rate in a cohort of patients affected by chronic limb-threatening ischemia treated exclusively by endovascular procedures. Methods We analyzed a prospective, consecutive cohort of 203 patients, 203 limbs, who underwent infrainguinal endovascular revascularization at a single center between March 2018 and January 2021. These patients were stratified into clinical stages 1 to 4 based on the SVS Wi-Fi classification and categorized into two groups, Wi-Fi 1 to 3, and equals 101 limbs, and Wi-Fi 4, and equals 102 limbs. The SVS objective performance goals of one-year limb AFS, freedom from re-intervention, and wound healing were compared between the groups and assessed using the Kaplan-Meier method. Angiographic lesion characteristics and angioplasty details were compared. Results. The average age was 72.4 years, 44.3% male, 85.2% had hypertension, 80.3% had diabetes, and 87.7% had tissue loss. 
There were statistical differences between the groups in one-year LIM AFS Kaplan-Meier rate between Wi-Fi clinical stages 1 to 3 group and Wi-Fi clinical stage 4 group, 82% versus 66%, respectively, P less than 0.001, but there was no statistical difference in freedom from reintervention and wound healing rates between the groups, 70% versus 64%, P equals 0.62, and 74% versus 79%, P equals 0.90, respectively. Owing to angiographic lesion characteristics, femoropoplidial and infrapoplidial segment distributions were similar between the groups, but there was a statistical difference in target lesion location to tibial vessels, 55.4% versus 71.6%, respectively, P equals 0.025. Conclusions In this cohort of patients with chronic limb-threatening ischemia, SBS Wi-Fi Clinical Stage 4 had worse results in the one-year limb AFS rate, but there was no statistical difference in freedom from reintervention and wound healing rates between the groups. Next article is from Surgical Endoscopy. Meta-analysis on clinical outcomes of suprapapillary versus transpapillary stent insertion in malignant biliary obstruction. Background-slash-aims. Endoscopic biliary stenting is an essential treatment for malignant biliary obstruction, NBO. However, the optimal location for the placement of metal stents, MS or plastic stents, PS, during the management of MBO, whether above, suprapapillary or across, transpapillary, the sphincter of OD, so, has not been thoroughly evaluated. This meta-analysis aims to compare the clinical outcomes associated with endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, ERCP-guided biliary stents placed above and across the so in patients with MBO. Methods A comprehensive search of electronic databases was carried out to identify studies published from inception to April 2022. The clinical outcomes examined including stent patency, stent occlusion, and overall adverse events, A's, such as cholangitis, post-ERCP pancreatitis, PEP, cholecystitis, stent migration, and bleeding. The selection of a random effects model or fixed effects model was based on the presence of heterogeneity. Results A total of 12 articles involving 751 patients were analyzed. The findings showed that the suprapapillary approach had longer stent patency compared to the transpapillary approach, mean difference, 38.58, 95% confidence interval 16.02 to 61.14, p less than 0.0001. Additionally, the suprapapillary approach was associated with a lower risk of stent occlusion and overall A's, p equals 0.04, p equals 0.002, respectively, particularly in the incidence of PEP, p equals 0.009. The incidence of cholangitis, cholecystitis, stent migration, and bleeding were similar between the suprapapillary and transpapillary approaches. The subgroup analyzes indicated that suprapillary PS had a significant decrease in the incidence of stent occlusion and longer stent patency, while suprapillary MS had a significant decrease in the incidence of overall A's and PEP than the transpapillary approach. Conclusion Compared with the transpapillary approach, the suprapapillary stent had superiority in longer stent patency, lower rates of stent occlusion and overall A's, and notably, a lower incidence of PEP. The incidence of cholangitis, cholecystitis, stent migration, and bleeding were similar between the suprapapillary and transpapillary approaches. Further large-scale randomized controlled studies are needed to confirm our findings. Next article is from Annals of Surgical Oncology. Distinct prognosis of minimal residual disease according to breast cancer subtype in patients with breast or nodal pathologic complete response after neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Purpose Few studies have reported on patient prognosis according to residual cancer burden after neoadjuvant chemotherapy, NAC. Herein, we evaluated the survival of patients based on residual disease after NAC to identify subpopulations with distinct prognoses. Methods We retrospectively reviewed 728 patients treated with NAC from 2010 to 2017. 
Patients were divided into four subgroups depending on post-surgical residual disease according to the staging system, pathological complete response, PCR, IPS0 TISN0, minimal residual disease, MRD, IP1ME slash T1 and 0 or IP0 slash TISIPIN0 I plus slash N1 mic, node only PCR, greater than or equal to IP1B IPN0 and breast only PCR, IP0 slash TIS greater than or equal to IPN1A. Clinical pathological characteristics and survival outcomes were analyzed by adjusting for factors affecting survival. Results Overall, 50.4%, and equals 367, of patients achieved PCR, with the MRD group accounting for 16.5%, and equals 120. Although age and clinical stage were not different among the study groups, histologic grade, subtypes, chemotherapy response, and local treatment showed differences. Event-free survival, EFS, and overall survival, OS, demonstrated no significant difference between the PCR and MRD groups. In the multivariate analysis, PCR status was the only significant factor in EFS, and no statistical difference was noted between the PCR and MRD groups. However, clinical stage, PCR status, and subtype significantly affected the OS. MRD showed favorable outcomes in terms of both EFS and OS in all subtypes, except for those with triple negative breast cancer, TNBC. Conclusion Patients with MRD showed outcomes comparable to those of patients who achieved PCR and may be candidates for de-escalation of post-NAC treatment, except for those with a TNBC subtype. Next article is from Obesity Surgery. Outcome of Revisional Bariatric Surgery After Failed Sleeve Gastrectomy, a German Multicenter Study. Purpose Sleeve gastrectomy, SG, is a common bariatric procedure that has been shown to be effective in both the short and long term, but it is not without risks, some of which necessitate revision or reduce surgery, RS. Materials and Methods GBSR, German Bariatric Surgery Registry, data were evaluated in this multi-center analysis. Short-term results, one-year follow-up, of RS, re-sleeve gastrectomy, RUNY gastric bypass, RIGB, omega-loop gastric bypass, OLGB, and duodenal switch, DS, following primary SG, and equals 27,939, were evaluated. Results. Of PSG patients, 7.9%, and equals 2195, needed revision surgery. 994 patients underwent the aforementioned four surgical procedures, 95 with RSG, 665 with RIGB, 141 with OLGB, and 93 DS. Loss of follow-up within one year 52.44%. The most common reasons for RS were weight regain and or a worsening of pre-existing comorbidities. Regarding the operating time, RSG was the shortest of the four procedures, and DS was the longest. In general, there were no significant advantages of one procedure over another in terms of complication incidents in these categories. However, certain complications were seen more often after RSG and DS than with other redo procedures. There were significant differences in BMI reduction one year after surgery, RIGB, 5.9, DS, 10.1, OLGB, 9.1, and RSG, 9.1, P less than 0.001. GERT, hypertension, and sleep apnea demonstrated statistically significant comorbidity remission. Diabetes exhibited non-significant differences. Conclusion According to the findings of our study, all revision surgeries effectively resolved comorbidities, promoted weight loss, and lowered BMI. Due to the disparate outcomes obtained by various methods, this study cannot recommend a particular redo method as the gold standard. Selecting a procedure should consider the redo surgery's aims, the rationale for the revision, the patient's current state, and their medical history. Next article is from Journal of the American College of Surgeons. Multicenter study of perioperative hepatic angioembolization as an adjunct for management of major operative hepatic trauma. Background 
The management of major liver trauma continues to evolve in trauma centers across the U.S. with increasing use of minimally invasive techniques. Data on the outcomes of these procedures remain minimal. The objective of this study was to evaluate patient complications after perioperative hepatic angioembolization as an adjunct to management of major operative liver trauma. Study Design A retrospective multi-institutional study was performed at 13 Level 1 and Level 2 trauma centers from 2012 to 2021. Adult patients with major liver trauma, grade 3 and higher, requiring operative management were enrolled. Patients were divided into two groups, angioembolization, A, and no angioembolization, no A. Univariate and multivariate analyses were performed. Results A total of 442 patients were included with A performed in 20.4%, and equals 90 of 442 of patients. The A group was associated with higher rates of biloma formation, P equals 0.0007, intraabdominal abscess, P equals 0.04, pneumonia, P equals 0.006, deep vein thrombosis, P equals 0.0004, acute renal failure, P equals 0.004, and acute respiratory distress syndrome, P equals 0.0003, and it had longer ICU and hospital length of stay, P less than 0.0001. On multivariate analysis, the A had a significantly higher amount intraabdominal abscess formation, odds ratio 1.9, 95% C 1.01 to 3.6, P equals 0.05. Conclusions This is one of the first multicenter studies comparing A and specifically operative high-grade liver injuries and found that patients with liver injury that undergo A in addition to surgery have higher rates of both intra- and extra-abdominal complications. This provides important information that can guide clinical management. Defining Biliary Hyperkinesia and the Role of Cholecystectomy Background Functional gallbladder disorder is most commonly defined by biliary colic and low ejection fraction, F, on cholecystography. Biliary hyperkinesia is a controversial type of functional gallbladder disorder, and its definition and the role of cholecystectomy in treating functional gallbladder disorder remains unclear. Study Design We conducted a retrospective review of patients who underwent cholecystokine and stimulated cholecystography and cholecystectomy at three Mayo Clinic sites between 2007 and 2020. Eligible patients were 18 years or older, presented with symptoms of biliary disease, had an F greater than 50%, underwent cholecystectomy, and had no evidence of acute cholecystitis or cholelithiasis on imaging. We used receiver operating characteristics curve analysis to identify the optimal cutoff value that predicted symptom resolution within 30 days of cholecystectomy. Results A total of 2,929 cholecystokine and stimulated cholecystography scans were performed during the study period, the average F was 67.5% and the median F was 77%. Analyzing those with Fs greater than or equal to 50% yielded 1,596 patients with 141, 8.8%, going on to have cholecystectomy. No significant differences were found in age, sex, BMI, final pathology between patients with and without pain resolution. Using a cutoff F of 81% was significantly associated with pain resolution after cholecystectomy, 78.2% for F greater than or equal to 81% versus 60.0% for F less than 81%, P equals 0.03. Chronic cholecystitis was found in 61.7% of the patients on final pathology. Conclusions We determined that an F cutoff of 81% is a reasonable upper limit of normal gallbladder F. Patients with biliary symptoms and an F greater than 81% but no evidence of biliary disease on ultrasound or scintigraphy can be classified as having biliary hyperkinesia. Based on our findings, we recommend cholecystectomy for this patient population. Next article is from Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. 
Prehospital tranexamic acid is associated with a dose-dependent decrease in syndic in one after trauma, a secondary analysis of a prospective randomized trial. Background In the study of tranexamic acid during air and ground prehospital transport, STOMP, trial, prehospital tranexamic acid, TXA, was associated with lower mortality in specific patient subgroups. The underlying mechanisms responsible for a TXA benefit remain incompletely characterized. We hypothesized that TXA may mitigate endothelial injury and sought to assess whether TXA was associated with decreased endothelial or tissue damage markers among all patients enrolled in the STOMP trial. Methods We collected blood samples from STOMP trial patients and measured markers of endothelial function and tissue damage including syndecan 1, soluble thrombomodulin, STM, and platelet endothelial cell adhesion molecule 1 at hospital admission, 0 hours, and 12 hours, 24 hours, and 72 hours after admission. We compared these marker values for patients in each treatment group during the first 72 hours, and modeled the relationship between TXA and marker concentration using regression analysis to control for potential confounding factors. Results We analyzed samples from 766 patients, 383 placebo, 130 abbreviated dosing, 119 standard dosing, and 130 repeat dosing. Lower levels of syndecan 1, TM, and platelet endothelial cell adhesion molecule measured within the first 72 hours of hospital admission were associated with survival at 30 days, P less than 0.001. At hospital admission, syndecan 1 was lower in the TXA group, 28.30, 20.05, 42.75, versus 33.50, 23.00, p equals 0.001, even after controlling for patient, injury, and pre-hospital factors, p equals 0.001. For every 1 gram increase in TXA administered over the first 8 hours of pre-hospital transport and hospital admission, there was a 4 nanogram per milliliter decrease in syndic in 1 at 12 hours controlling for patient, injury, and treatment factors, P equals 0.03. Early venous thromboembolism prophylaxis in patients with trauma intracranial hemorrhage, Analysis of the Prospective Multicenter Consortium of Leaders in Traumatic Thromboembolism Study Background The optimal time to initiate venous thromboembolism prophylaxis, DEP, for patients with intracranial hemorrhage, ICH, is controversial and must balance the risks of VTE with potential progression of ICH. We sought to evaluate the efficacy and safety of early DEP initiation of traumatic ICH. Methods this is a secondary analysis of the prospective multicenter consortium of leaders in the study of thromboembolism study. Patients with head abbreviated injury scale score of greater than 2 and with immediate DEP held because of ICH were included. Patients were divided into DEP less than or equal to or greater than 48 hours and compared. Outcome variables included overall DTE, deep vein thrombosis, DVT, pulmonary embolism, Progression of intracranial hemorrhage, pitch, or other bleeding events. Univariate and multivariate logistic regressions were performed. Results There were 881 patients in total, 378, 43%, started VEP less than or equal to 48 hours, early. Patients starting VEP greater than 48 hours, late, had higher VT, 12.4% versus 7.2%, P equals 0.01 and DVT, 11.0% versus 6.1%, P equals 0.01, rates than the early group. The incidence of pulmonary embolism, 2.1% versus 2.2%, P equals 0.94, pitch, 1.9% versus 1.8%, P equals 0.95, or any other bleeding event, 1.9% versus 3.0%, P equals 0.28 was equivalent between early and late DEP groups. On multivariate logistic regression analysis, DEP greater than 48 hours, odds ratio, or, 1.86, ventilator days greater than 3, or, 2.00, and risk assessment profile score of greater than or equal to 5, or, 6.70, were independent risk factors for VTE, 
ALP less than 0.05, while VDEP with enoxaparin was associated with decreased VTE, or 0.54, P less than 0.05. Importantly, the TEP less than or equal to 48 hours was not associated with pitch, or 0.75, or risk of other bleeding events, or 1.28, both P equals NS. Conclusion Early initiation of VDEP, less than or equal to 48 hours, for patients with ICH was associated with decreased BTE-DBT rates without increased risk of pitch or other significant bleeding events. Enoxaparin is superior to unfractionated heparin as VTE prophylaxis in patients with severe TBI. Next article is from the American Journal of Surgery. Distress Community Index as a Predictor of Presentation and Postoperative Outcomes in Ventral Hernia Repair Background We evaluated the impact of socioeconomic status on presentation, management, and outcomes of ventral hernias. Methods The Abdominal Core Health Quality Collaborative was queried for adult patients undergoing ventral hernia repair. Socioeconomic quintiles were assigned using the Distress Community Index, DCI, Prosperous, 0 to 20, comfortable, 21 to 40, mid-tier, 41 to 60, at-risk, 61 to 80, and distressed, 81 to 100. Outcomes included presenting symptoms, urgency, operative details, 30-day outcomes, and one-year hernia recurrence rates. Multivariable regression evaluated 30-day wound complications. Results. 39,494 subjects were identified. 32,471 had zip codes, 82.2%. Urgent presentation, 3.6% versus 2.3%, and contaminated cases, 0.83% versus 2.06%, were more common in the distress group compared to the prosperous group, P less than 0.001. Higher DCI correlated with readmission, distressed, 4.7% versus prosperous, 2.9%, P less than 0.001, and reoperation, distressed 1.8% versus prosperous, 0.92%, P less than 0.001. Wound complications were independently associated with increasing DCI, P less than 0.05. Clinical recurrence rates were similar at one year, distressed, 10.4% versus prosperous, 8.6%, P equals 0.54. Conclusions Inequity exists in presentation and perioperative outcomes for ventral hernia repair and efforts should be focused on increasing access to elective surgery and improving postoperative wound care. Poor accessibility to consumer pricing exists for elective hernia repair surgery. Background Hospital price transparency is federally mandated to improve consumer accessibility. We aim to evaluate how hospitals were complying with these regulations for elective hernia repairs. Methods Searches were performed for different hospital systems in attempt to find a price for the procedure using author's own health insurance. Data collected included time to reach the cost estimate tool, time to obtain price estimates, and price ranges. With prices for inguinal and ventral hernia repairs varying across the state's medical centers. Results 14 medical centers across the country were included, all had a cost estimate calculator. The average success rate of obtaining a cost for inguinal hernia was 48%. Comparatively, the average success rate of obtaining a cost for ventral hernia was 12%. Of the successful searches for price, significant variation exists amongst the accessed hernia procedure cost. Conclusion Despite federal mandates for hospital price transparency, online cost estimate calculators are underperforming, thus exposing a need for more accessible cost estimates for patients undergoing elective hernia repair. Mastectomy margins for ductal carcinoma in situ, DCIS 18 years of follow-up. Background. In patients undergoing mastectomy for ductal carcinoma in situ, DCIS, 
the significance of a positive or close, less than 2 mm, margin and associated recurrence risk is unclear. The study sought to evaluate risk of recurrence in relation to the mastectomy surgical margin. Methods A single institution retrospective review of patients with cis who underwent mastectomy between 2000 and 2010 was performed. Patient demographics, tumor biology, margin status and adjuvant therapy were recorded. The incidence of local recurrence, LR, distant metastasis were analyzed. Results A total of 282 patients with cis were identified. Overall, 12.3% of patients had a pathological positive-slash-close margin, N equals 9 tumor on ink and N equals 36 less than 2 mm. Adjuvant radiation was administered to 11 patients with a positive or close margin. At a median follow-up of 12 years, LR was 3.4%, N equals 10. None of the patients with LR had a positive or close margin. Additionally, none of the patients who received radiation developed LR. Conclusion Risk of recurrence after mastectomy for cis is low and appears to be unrelated to margin status with the use of radiation therapy. Next article is from World Journal of Surgery. A content framework of a novel patient-reported outcome measure for detecting early adverse events after major abdominal surgery. Background Systematic health monitoring with patient-reported outcome instruments may predict post-discharge complications after major surgery. The objective of this study was to conceptualize a novel patient-reported outcome instrument for detecting early adverse events within two weeks of discharge after major emergency abdominal surgery and colorectal cancer surgery. Methods This study was conducted in two phases. 1. An exhaustive health concept pool was generated using systematic content analysis of existing patient-reported outcome measures, N equals 31, and semi-structured interviews of readmitted patients, N equals 49, and health professionals, N equals 10. Concepts were categorized into three major domains, symptoms, functional status, and general health perception. We calculated the frequency of each health concept as the proportion of patients, who experienced the respective concept prior to readmission. 2. Colorectal cancer surgeons, N equals 13, and emergency general surgeons, N equals 12, rated the relevance of each health concept, 1 equals irrelevant, 5 equals very relevant, in the context of detecting post-discharge adverse events. We selected concepts with either a high mean relevance score, greater than or equal to 4, or a combination of moderate mean relevance score and high patient reported frequency, greater than or equal to 3 and greater than or equal to 20% or greater than or equal to 2.5 and greater than or equal to 50%, respectively. Results Content analysis of existing items with additions from patients and experts resulted in 58 health concepts, of which the majority were distinct symptoms, N equals 40. The selection procedure resulted in 29 patient-reported health concepts relevant for detecting adverse events after discharge. Conclusion The outlined framework provides content validity for future patient-reported outcome instruments detecting adverse events in the early post-discharge period after major emergency abdominal surgery and colorectal cancer surgery. Thank you for listening to This Week in Surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.